0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this
1: juicy gem of a detour. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a Lifetime Membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod50 to get 50% off your Lifetime Membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod50 for 50% off.
0: Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will, too. I wanted to read today's story for a couple of reasons. I've talked a lot lately about grief and loss because... It just feels very relevant to where we are as a society right now. We've all lost so much, and we seem to just want to muscle past it, move on. And personally, it's helpful for me to read stories about that process of grieving, or lack thereof. So maybe together, we can figure out how to do it better. But I also just, really felt seen by this story. It's about a black family whose matriarch, their grandmother, has just passed, and now the family is going through the rituals of putting her house back in order, preparing it for new life. They're reshuffling the family order and obligations. My own mother passed away about five years ago, so I really felt that part of it, but I also just really enjoyed and recognized the voices of these people, the aunts and uncles, the grandkids. Maybe you'll recognize them too. The story is Dragonflies, and it's part of Shannon Sanders' new collection entitled Company, out now from Grey Wolf Press. It's an interconnected collection about the lives and lore of one black family. Shannon Sanders is a writer and attorney based in the D.C. area, and her work has won the Penn Robert J. Dow Short Story Prize and been published in One Story, Tri-Quarterly, Joyland, Electric Literature, Slice, and Strange Horizons. And now, if you're ready to jump in, let's take a deep breath. (sighs) Dragonflies by Shannon Sanders After the service, Lulu's mother, Adrian, working her position as the eldest daughter of the deceased, ordered everyone back to the house to deal with the dragonfly situation. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, no tiptoeing over to the hotel to sleep off the repast. Grandma Lou's dragonfly collection spanned more than 50 years, and every conceivable material—glass, ceramic, textile— and was the only thing she hadn't accounted for in any of the meticulous provisions of her last will and testament. Adrian would be damned if she was going to let everyone, all these assembled and willing extra hands, leave town without sorting it out first. Nobody argued since her ascension to the role of matriarch two days earlier, Adrian had already perfected Grandma Lou's sweetly authoritative tone, had already learned to flex. She sounded like a new person, She even looked different, eyes bright and determined under the black fringe of a fascinator hat. See you all there in five minutes, she said, fixing a firm look on each person in turn as they all milled around on the fresh air side of First Baptist's ornate wooden doors. Only Cousin Nicole, with the onyx-eyed baby thrashing on her hip, was excused to go home, her husband trailing her dutifully through the church parking lot. Everyone else piled into cars. Lulu lifted the skirt of her black dress and swung her ascetic black heels one after the other to slide in beside her mother. All right, she said encouragingly. Dragonflies. Adrian leaned back against the driver's seat, rolled her eyes heavenward. Those cotton-picking dragonflies, she murmured in that strange new voice, then started the car with a resolute nod. This task was far from the last of many things that needed doing, though Grandma Lou, clear-eyed till the end and not wanting things to turn out as they had for her friend Myrna, whose grabby passel of nieces and nephews had given the lawyers a real field day a few years back, had more than done her part on the front end. This had featured heavily in Adrian's eulogy this morning, a surge of admiration she'd felt for her mother when, locating a particular book on one of Grandma Lou's shelves some weeks earlier, she'd found affixed to its title page a sticky note Bearing Lou's curling script. For Adrian. A volume of Paul Lawrence Dunbar poems, which Adrian alone among her siblings had appreciated as a child. It and every book on every shelf had a name stuck inside it, evidence of the deceased's conscientiousness. Lulu was getting a stack of Southern Living Cookbooks. She'd brought along an extra suitcase for carting them home. She figured they'd make for a nice artifact in her otherwise spartan kitchen, something for guests to page through while they sipped wine. I was thinking, started Lulu. Adrian, tensed, palpably, like she'd been shot. (sighs) Uh Uh-huh, she said with a sigh. You were thinking about what? It was the eulogy Lulu had been thinking about, how well it had gone. But she saw in the sudden stiffening of her mother's shoulders that Adrian was expecting her to bring up the thing, the one she'd promised to tap down into the save for later file as long as Grandma Lou was still on Earth. The realization offended her so deeply that the compliment died on her lips. Because, Adrian went on, If it was about that thing, it wasn't, said Lulu. I guess I feel entitled to hope we can just get through the rest of this without having to get into that. It wasn't about that, said Lulu. Nice to get your vote of confidence on my tact level, though. Adrian fell silent, her eyes on the road. They sailed past the exit to the freeway where in her little sedan, cousin Nicole might be cajoling her baby to nap as her husband, the good-looking and attentive man who'd bounced the baby on his knee throughout the whole service, steered them toward their row house downtown. The baby had been angel quiet until the very end of the service, his dark eyes widening at the sound of each sob and swell in the music, such good manners already, Adrian had at some point stage whispered to Nicole, who hardly needed compliments. So, anyway, said Lulu after a time, dragonflies. Adrian's car crunched over Grandma Lou's gravel driveway, pulling in just behind Uncle Charlie's, just ahead of Aunt Roz's. Inside the Little Brick House, Uncle Charlie and Aunt Vanessa had already chosen stations. Uncle Charlie leading his boys, young men now, Lulu realized, up to the second floor to handle the moving of furniture. Over the long months of Grandma Lou's decline, beds and dressers had been shuffled around to accommodate medical equipment and her increasingly limited movements. Adrian and Aunt Roz had brought in a cot and had taken turns sleeping by their mother's bed. Two weeks on, two weeks off. Get it looking like normal, Adrian called up the stairs after her brother and nephews. Uncle Charlie tossed back a focused, affirmative grunt. The elder of his sons, who'd been promised the master bedroom TV to take back to his dorm room, had the hint of a spring in his step. Here's a few of them said Aunt Kendra, waving to indicate the glass dragonflies lined up along the entryway table. What do you think, Adrian? They were some of her prettiest ones, chosen for that spot because of how they caught the light that came in through the front windows on sunny days. They'd be good for someone who's got a nice place to display them, said Adrian. Your other daughter, said Aunt Kendra. What's her house like? How old are her kids now? Too little, said Lulu, though she hadn't been asked. On her last visit to her younger sister, she'd had her glasses smashed and nearly lost a tooth playing roll around with her niece and nephew. She imagined, and then tried not to imagine, the glass dragonflies chipped and shattered and eventually crushed into powder on some playroom floor. I'll find a place for them, said Adrian. Let's wrap them up and put them away for now. A day earlier, she'd sent Lulu to the hardware store for cardboard boxes and craft paper. She now indicated with a little gesture that Lulu should go find some. Heading out to the back porch where she'd stored them, Lulu found Aunt Shell in the long hallway that connected the front and rear of the house. Hi, honey said Aunt Shell. She stopped what she was doing, dusting the picture frames along the walls, the painted dragonflies interspersed with portraits of the family to wrap her arms around Lulu. Didn't you look nice at that service? You doing all right? Doing all right. Your man couldn't make it? Is he working? Lulu "'stepped sideways out of the embrace. "'No man, right now,' she said lightly. "'A little crease appeared between Aunt Shell's eyebrows. Mm. "'She said. "'Are your brother and sister coming later? "'Just me,' said Lulu, taking another step toward the back porch. "'Excuse me, Aunt Shell.' When she got back to the front of the house, Adrian and Aunt Kendra had spread the glass dragonflies across the entryway table. Without talking it over, they formed a little assembly line. Aunt Kendra wiping off stray fingerprints with a cloth, Adrian wrapping the translucent bodies in paper and handing them off to Lulu, who laid them along the bottom of one of the boxes. Pretty, murmured Aunt Kendra every so often. And then, when they were down to the last few, she turned to Lulu. You didn't bring, what's his name? The doctor. The one who came to Nicole's wedding. The specimen Adrian handed to Lulu at that moment had a long black proboscis that wouldn't stay wrapped. Lulu did her best, but finally let it protrude from between the folds in the paper, laying it on its back in a corner of the box. We broke up not long after that, she said. Aunt Kendra hesitated and said, well, Charlie and I broke up at least twice before we got our act together. You never know. True, said Lulu, thinking that in fact sometimes you do know. According to the linked series of news bulletins she'd gotten since then, the ones from theoretically well-meaning friends and the ones that slipped through her Facebook filters, he'd gotten his act together and left for another city with someone else. Someone much younger. Young enough for Lulu to speculate that the leaving was probably for school or a first job. Not that there had been much credible doubt before that. Adrian sighed loudly. Oh, there are lots and lots of others out there, she said, as she often had lately. She turned to Aunt Kendra. Have you ever heard of IUI? Lulu hated how she always did that, really drawing out the letters in the acronym to emphasize its pathological foreignness. They'd reached the last glass dragonfly, and Aunt Kendra seemed to slow her fingerprint-wiping to a glacial pace. you I she repeated, testing the term's familiarity in her mouth. Give me a hint. I don't even want to tell you what it stands for, said Adrian. So then don't, said Lulu. I thought you didn't want to get into this today. Oh, IUI, said Aunt Kendra, finally handing over the last glass dragonfly. I do know. That's the one where they, you know. And here she reached out a hand to pantomime the use of a tool, an invisible syringe or maybe a turkey baster, causing Adrian to avert her eyes in abject disgust. Up your you-know-what to make a baby. Right? What about it? Here's my next question, said Adrian, giving the craft paper a rough crumple. Have you ever heard of someone doing that alone at this child's age? A flush crept up Aunt Kendra's neck. I did think it was for, you know, later. Why are we talking about this? asked Lulu. Lulu. She dropped the last wrapped glass dragonfly into the box and slapped the cover flaps shut. Glass dragonflies finished. What's next? Before Adrian could answer, the front door opened and in walked Aunt Roz, a handle of vodka in the crook of her black lace-clad arm. Here I come to save the day, she announced in a sing-song. The furrow in Adrian's brow deepened. Ignore her, she said to no one in particular. What's next? asked Lulu again. Her mother handed her an empty box. The étagère in the living room, she said. There are a few of them on there. Do your best to decide where they belong. Oh, and Lulu? Lulu stopped in the doorway. You know that brooch she had. Adrian drew its shape with her finger, a subtle stone-studded thing of two inches width that Grandma Lou had often worn fastened at her clavicle. She waited for Lulu's nod, then said, Keep your eyes peeled. I couldn't find it anywhere yesterday. Okay, Lulu said, proceeding through the doorway. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com pod 50 for 50% off.
0: Now, let's get back to our story. In the living room, Uncle Wood and Cousin Akil were cleaning behind Grandma's old sofa, tossing dropped tissues and scraps of paper into the open mouth of a garbage bag. Lulu sidestepped them with her box and considered the étagère, its contents arranged as if by the hand of an expert curator. A half-pad of sticky notes and a pen were the only things out of place among the objets. Left there by Grandma Lou herself, Lulu guessed, before she'd gotten around to labeling the dragonflies. Lulu started with a quick scan of the shelves. No brooch. She reached for a stone dragonfly figurine on the top shelf, one she recognized as having been carved by Uncle Charlie during his midlife foray into masonry. Uncle Charlie, she wrote on a sticky note, which she pressed onto the outside of the empty box. Hey, Lulu, said Cousin Akil, his adolescent voice tight as he strained under the weight of the sofa. Did you hear? I'm getting the Volvo. Together, he and Uncle Wood dropped the sofa flush against the wall. And began smoothing out its marled gray fabric, which Adrian and Aunt Roz had chosen for the reupholstery job once Grandma Lou had finally agreed to part with the original Madras plaid. I heard, said Lulu. Congratulations. There's only like 10,000 miles on it. Uh, remind me, though, said Uncle Wood. What was the rule about it? What did Grandma say? Cousin Akil rolled his eyes. Be average, he huffed. At least, added Uncle Wood. Sounds reasonable to me, said Lulu, reaching for the wire-rendered swarm of dragonflies on the top shelf of the Etagere, a souvenir from a trip to Sedona. Aunt Raz, Do you still have to do the end-of-year assessment? Cousin Akil wanted to know. Do they have that where you go? Ha. Huh. She said. He had her age all wrong, was figuring it at something less than twice his own. No, but I hear it's tough. She recognized most of the pieces, but there was one she didn't a set of hammered copper wings on a metal stand. Taking it in hand, she followed the sound of her mother's new voice lifted officiously above the symphony of others, into the kitchen. Careful. Careful. careful! Adrian was saying. She had cousin Kira wrapping up the china plates, not the ones from the start of Grandma Lou's long marriage, already earmarked for Lulu's brother and his new bride up north, but the ones she'd bought halfway through it, silver rimmed with a single, understated dragonfly at the center of each dish. I haven't found that brooch yet, Lulu told the room. Lulu, Lulu, said Aunt Roz. Come and talk to me. Lulu joined her at the sideboard where she stood pouring a batch of stingers. Hey, Aunt Roz, she said, holding up the object in her hand. You recognize this? Aunt Roz glanced over. I gave her those wings when she finished her master's. I'll take it with me to give to the next graduate. She offered Lulu a full glass, the white creme de menthe swirling toward its surface. Lulu set aside the wings and took the glass. There were, by her careful count, six days of freedom left this month before at least two weeks' abstinence. To mother, said Aunt Roz, lifting her own glass to touch the rim of Lulu's. To a peaceful end and a beautiful service. Peaceful, repeated Adrian from across the room. Says the daughter who was 300 miles away at the time. Aunt Roz rolled her eyes. Says the daughter who showed up exactly when asked. You're the one who scheduled the rotation, Lou Adrian. To Grandma Lou, cut in Lulu. She took a sip. The essence of mint tingled against her nose, sending through her a sharp memory. Her grandmother kissing her forehead at the end of a long-ago visit. Her finely lined hands the same color as Lulu's smooth ones, sweet mint on her breath. So, said Aunt Roz, you left Dr. Sexy at home? Lulu took a long sip. In a manner of speaking, she said, I left him at home for good, you might say. Aunt Roz's mouth fell open. No. (sighs) Sighed Adrian. I told you that months ago, Roz. You did not, said Aunt Roz. What did he do? Or was it the other way around? What did you do? Cousin Kira pretended to whack herself in the head with a china plate. Seriously, Mom? I want to know, said Aunt Roz, pulling out a chair at the kitchen table. Rights of the bereaved. He didn't do anything, said Lulu. The issue was what he didn't do. It just wasn't going anywhere. Aunt Ros's dark eyes widened like her grandson's had all throughout the service, as though this were a specific and salacious disclosure. My goodness, she said. Well, you know about your cousin. She was, Lulu realized with alarm, getting ready to launch into the story of how Cousin Nicole had nailed down that husband of hers a painstaking five-year domestication process that had, after some number of false starts, landed Aunt Roz her docile son-in-law and an onyx-eyed grandbaby, all of which Lulu supposed was meant to inspire the sort of hope she'd had at Cousin Nicole's age, the sort she wasn't so much worried about anymore. I know, she said quickly. Things have a way of working out. And you're still on the right side of 35, aren't you? Lulu fumbled for an answer, reluctant to get into the details. Technically, yes, but the wrong side was just a beat away. Better counted in weeks than in months or years. Across the room, her back to the group, Adrian let her head fall dramatically to one shoulder. (sighs) She sighed again, piercing the faltering silence. Roz, fix me a stinger. Obediently, Aunt Roz got up and began pouring another glass. What I mean is that maybe there's still something you can do, she told Lulu as she stirred. Maybe not overnight, but in the long term. Nicole had to break down and learn to cook, for example. Lulu bristled. I can cook. You still have that apartment and that roommate? Lulu set down her glass and picked up the dragonflies, taking a step toward the door. Apartment, yes. Roommate, no, she said wearily. The roommate had gotten engaged and moved away, but still emailed periodically to see how the thing was going. Not going. Lulu had most recently written back. At my mom's request, that and the rest of my life are on hold at the moment. My grandma down south isn't doing well. Can't do anything to upset her. You need a bigger place, said Aunt Roz, giving the sideboard a eureka of a slap. Men don't like being all crammed in like cotton-picking sardines. She doesn't care about that said Adrian, coming over to get her glass before Aunt Roz could even drop the mint sprig into it. Just wait till you hear what this child has decided to do instead of trying to make things work with a nice man. Lulu marched out of the room and took the stairs two at a time, but not quickly enough to avoid hearing Aunt Roz from the landing between floors. What on earth is IUI, Lou Adrian? Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
0: Now, let's get back to our story. Upstairs, Uncle Charlie and his sons had finished restoring the master bedroom to its pre-hospice state. The bedside cot Grandma Lou's daughters had shared in turns was gone, and the TV, with all its accessories, had been unplugged from the wall in preparation for their new life in Cousin Caleb's dorm room. The bed had been stripped of the outmoded linens Lulu had last seen on it, Grandma Lou's favorites since the 70s, And made up again in crisp, unused sheets and a bright, jewel toned quilt. There was the scent of fresh paint and dabs of it visible at intervals along the buttercream walls. From floor to ceiling, the room looked brand new. Except for the dragonflies. Lulu approached her grandmother's dresser and saw that these were the more sentimental installments in the collection homespun items not quite right for the elegant displays on the ground floor. Among them was a small, crude dragonfly statuette Lulu had made herself in elementary school, still intact and bearing her little girl fingerprints in the glossy yellow paint. Kept all this time along with a few other crafts she recognized as her own and those of her siblings and cousins. Tucked inside the pages of a photo album were dragonflies done in crayon and colored pencil and tempera paint, various grandchildren's names added in Grandma Lou's own handwriting where they hadn't been included initially. On the wall above it hung a showy dragonfly shaped panel of beaded lace in a frame speckled with crystals. Lulu moved along the edge of the dresser taking in each of the objects. Beneath her left foot, there was a crunch. Unable to shift her weight fast enough to avoid it, she felt her thick black heel flatten against the hardwood floor. She saw it in her mind's eye first, the crushed brooch. And when she managed to look, it was exactly as she'd guessed— Antenna snapped off, smashed wings asymmetrical, peridot tailstones loosed from their settings. A fine, pale green dust coated the underside of her heel. Later, adopting her former roommate's glass-half-full reaction to this part of the story, Lulu would learn to include in her retellings some quip about how glad she was to have been wearing cheap old shoes with heels fit for a nun Anything nicer, with a sleeker shape, and she'd have twisted an ankle. The worse, and more likely, removed them the moment she'd walked through Grandma Lou's front door after the service, and been barefoot by this point, tearing up her foot instead. She'd caught her mother's judgmental eye that morning, and knew these shoes bordered on the inexcusably unfashionable, almost a disrespect to the memory of her elegant late grandmother. But new shoes hadn't been in this trip's budget, which had barely allowed for a round-trip plane ticket. Three failed intrauterine insemination rounds had cost her over $4,000 in the months before Grandma Lou's illness, and this upcoming round, which would not be the last, was another three-figure hit. Though... By now, she'd stripped the process down to its bare bones. A drugstore syringe and stuff hastily ordered off a website that seamlessly matched women with sperm donors at no surcharge, at the expense of reassuring FDA approval. It was better to have destroyed the brooch, whose little stones, it would turn out, could be salvaged and turned into what would become her nicest pair of earrings. than her foot especially at a time when antibiotics were near the top of a long list of things to avoid consuming. Glass half full. But for now... Fucking shit, she said, narrowly missing the brooch a second time as she stamped her foot on the hardwood floor. The dragonflies rattled on the unsteady dresser. Back on the ground floor with the framed panel under her arm, she detoured through the living room and swept gnarled bits of metal from her hand into the garbage bag Uncle Wood and Cousin Akil had left behind. The kitchen was alive, with the voices of Grandma Lou's assembled offspring, and someone had put on one of her crackling old earth, wind, and fire records. You can try, said Grandma Lou's voice in the ear of Lulu's memory. But you can't keep Negroes out of the kitchen. Lulu peeked in and saw that the rest of the aunts and uncles and cousins had joined her mother and aunt around the kitchen table that more stingers had been poured. Aunt Roz spotted her in the doorway and slid over to make a space for her on the edge of her chair. Find anything good? She asked under the cacophony of voices. She peered at the object under Lulu's arm. Is that the thing with the lace and the beads? Your cousin Nicole made that at summer camp. Ah, said Lulu, not taking the seat she'd been offered. I thought maybe so. Is she coming by soon to help out? Not today, I don't think. She says the baby won't sleep. They'll come by tomorrow or the next day to take a look around. Lulu frowned. We'll be all done here by then, won't we? Hopefully. So they can move in right after your mother flies home. Move in? Lulu looked over at Adrian, who was talking to Uncle Charlie about emptying the aging contents of the refrigerator. Mom! She said, waving her hands to catch Adrian's eye, not caring that she was interrupting. Mom! Adrian frowned and stopped talking, dispatching Uncle Charlie with a pat on the shoulder. He opened the refrigerator and began tossing old condiments into a nearby trash can. What, Lulu? said Adrian. Lulu felt her blood pressure surge. She walked over to her mother, arms folded. You didn't tell me Nicole was moving in here? Sure I did, said Adrian, lifting an eyebrow. Maybe you were distracted and forgot. So, it's hers now? It's mine and Aunt Rosa's and Uncle Charlie's. Nicole and them need the space. Your grandmother would be thrilled to have them use it. A yard for that baby to play in and everything. Lulu stared back at Adrian understanding suddenly that the unfamiliar quality in her mother's voice was more than just the assertiveness of a new matriarch. In the months she'd spent traveling back and forth to her hometown, nursing her mother to a peaceful end, Adrian had actually lapsed into a shade of her old drawl, the depth of which had faded in the decades since she'd moved away. We don't want to just leave it untended, Adrian continued. You know how hard your grandparents worked to get this house paid off? What I want to know. And now Lulu noticed the hint of a quaver in her mother's voice. The same voice that had carried this morning's eulogy steadily through to its impressive finish is what you think is going to happen to your father and me and our things when it's our turn. How are you going to manage all that while you're out messing around with IUI? Lulu kept staring until it dissipated the urge to strike out at the incredible faultiness in this chain of logic. She folded her arms and rolled her eyes heavenward. Okay, Mom, she said softly. <laughs> Aunt Roz appeared at Adrian's side, sipping at a fresh stinger. You find that brooch? she asked Lulu. She turned to Adrian. You tell her she gets to keep it when it turns up? No, said Lulu, turning on her boxy heel. I'll keep looking around. Behind her, Adrian heaved another deep sigh. (sighs) She's mad at me she told Aunt Roz in a stage whisper, for telling her it's foolishness to do it all out of order like that. My goodness, said Aunt Roz, as Lulu hurried from the kitchen, but not quickly enough to avoid hearing the end of it from the door to the back porch. These children, what I'll never understand is why such a cotton-picking hurry. When I read this story for the first time, and and even when I prepped it last night and this morning to read today, when I got to the ending, I was like, wow, the the story just seems to just stop. And then I realized, you know, it's actually perfect, because it's just the end of a moment. We know that there's going to be another moment and another moment and another moment of this family and their conversations, their attitudes, responses, the twists and turns of their process of grieving. And I l- love, absolutely love, that Grandma Lou's collection of dragonflies is what the conversation is about, or what the conversation is around. What the conversation is about is what is not being said, and sometimes what is being said, and the judgments and the conflicts, just the stuff that all families deal with. My mom, Irma Jean, collected turtles. She had turtles of all shapes, sizes, made of crystal and stone and wood and glass. I mean, you name it, Irma had a turtle for everything. And when she passed, it was our job, my sibs and me, to sort through and distribute all of Ma's turtles. And in the process of divvying those turtles up and giving them to family members and those who had assembled to mark the passing of of my mother, that ritual, that giveaway, turned into a real blessing of mourning for us. I have found um, in my life that ritual and ceremony are wonderful structures for the release of that which we no longer need to hold on to. The grief, the sorrow, the suffering can all be, what is the phrase they use? Um, Left at the burning ground right, where you, where you put those burdens down. I think that really is the essence of mourning, right, finding a place for the grief so that in time, the overwhelming nature of those emotions don't continue to trip us up while we're living, right? Right this story really um, hit me on a really deep level because now, you know, these years removed from my own mother's passing, I recognize the, the healing and the absence of the intensity of that grief, that loss. The idea that I still think about her Every day. But more and more with joy. And a a longing, certainly. But one that is not all tied up in the energy of my personal loss. I'm able to celebrate her life with a lot more ease. And a lot more grace. And a lot more acceptance. And and I I guess I feel that the, the place where I'm I'm coming to now is one that actually really does honor her and her life in a way that that gives mine meaning. My thanks to Shannon Sanders and Gray Wolf Press for allowing me to read her story today. If you liked it, check out her debut collection entitled Company. It's out now, and you can read other great Gray Wolf titles out this fall, including I'm a Fan by Sheena Patel and The Box by Mandy Suzanne Wong. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is... Julia Smith, the best in the business, y'all. Our fabulous researcher is L.D. Lewis. Always happy to have you aboard, my sister. Sound design, courtesy of the fantastic skills of Mr. Casey Holford. Our original theme and credits music is by our own Brendan Burns. Thanks to Talon Stradley for his invaluable production support. If you like the podcast, one of the best things you can do to support it is to tell a friend Just pick an episode or an author and send them the link. Share the short fiction wealth. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martorana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And if you want to find me on the internet, I'm levar.burton on Instagram, at LeVar Burton on Twitter, or the LeVar Burton on TikTok. You can also go to lavarburton.com, And hey, if you want to join my book club, go to fable.co slash LeVar. We're reading together, y'all. Come join us. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it.